Yeah, you guys good? Good morning. Just waiting for everything to get logged up here. Maybe I can have one of the guys from the back come and uh, help us get set up here. HDMI. Well, good morning. Hope you guys are excited to be here. Always, always something with uh, technology. Always something. But I hope you're excited. We are all about having a celebration today. Are you ready? Uh, I don't know if you took a look downstairs uh, at the, uh, the, the playground area. Did you guys take a look? Did you take a peek? I don't think any of you are ready for what's going on down there. But today we're celebrating. Uh, we're having a big time celebrating uh, our offering that we're going to be taking up for Mexico and Central America. That's why you see all the floreros and the, and the, and the flores and everything else. Uh, this is what we're doing to celebrate our offering that we're going to give to our sister churches, all 38 of them in Mexico and Central America. Uh, I wanted you guys to know that I got, got some emails yesterday from the different ministers knowing that we're having the uh, offering today. And, and they just want to express in advance, thank you for your gift. Uh, thank you for, for putting yourselves out there and your offering uh, for them and for their future. And so before we get into that, I hope we can get our, our computer screen because we're gonna have to go old school. If not, I'm good with that. Did lots of years, but uh, technology definitely helps when, when you can use it. We are finishing today a series that we call Fulfill. And uh, th- this, whole, this whole idea of fulfill means we live in a time right now when we have so much, yet we've never had so little on the inside. And so th- this, is a, this is a huge deal that we're gonna talk about, that we've been talking about. And if you're a guest here today, I want you to know that we are excited you're here. And today's gonna be a little bit different than, than, than normal, uh, but you're gonna like it. So turn to the person next to you and say, you're gonna like it, okay? You're gonna like it, okay? You're going to like it. I'm already feeling better. So the whole idea of, of, this, uh, of this lesson series that we've been doing is that, you know, we're looking on the inside of what's going on in our lives. And uh, today, we're, we're going to go a little deeper than, than normal. Uh, this is a phrase that, you know, I used to hear at home sometimes. Uh, when I went through my ugly duckling stage, you know what I'm talking about? When you're a preteen, I think that's when it's about. Are the preteens still in the house? Are you guys still here? They're gone. Okay, now we can talk about them. Let's, let's bring this in a little bit if we can. I'm asking for a lot this morning. But when I was a teenager, I had a really, really bad outbreak of acne. I mean, let me just say, when you're, when you're a preteen and you're going through that adolescence, man, it is a whack time in your life. You feel weird, you look weird, you know, your feet are big, and, you know, and then it, to add to that, if you're wearing braces and all that, I never wore braces, but I had a really, really bad case of acne in high school. I mean, really bad. Uh, and so bad I had to go to the doctor and they had to give me creams and medicines because it was bad. And the creams and medicines made it worse. So my face was red and I had, I had, 
I had outbreaks, you know, big white things on my forehead. It was, it was ugly. And I remember coming home and I just feel awful. I felt just like, man, I'm so, so ugly, you know. And my mom would say, it's what's on the inside that counts. And it never made me feel better. You know, this whole idea of what's on the inside is what counts is a huge idea in the eyes of Jesus. And the conflict that he had with society and he would have today if he were here with us, it's exactly the same because what are we most preoccupied and what are we most focused on in our lives? What's on the outside? I... I would go as far to say that some of you spent more time this morning working on your outside than you did on your inside. Some of you maybe not so much, and we know who you are, but that's okay. But it's a huge deal today in our society that it's so much emphasis on the outside. And Jesus came to talk about what's on the inside. And let me tell you this, this is a secret. What you've got going on on the inside will eventually come out and be on the outside. So if you're smart, you're going to work on your inside because you know it's going to be outside anyway. So let's go ahead and say this phrase to each other. Turn to the person next to you. Turn to three people and say, it's, on, it's what's on the inside that counts. Go ahead. Es lo que hay adentro de lo que cuenta. Okay, awesome. You get what I'm saying? If some of you are going, that helps me nothing. It's what's on the inside that counts. Today we're going to really explore this topic. And I believe it's going to tell us a lot about Jesus' intention and what he wants to do with us. And if you're a guest here today, I want you to know you came to a really good day because I believe you can get some help. And I believe you can come to some agreements with God and have some peace in your life if you'll listen. Not hear me, but listen. And I believe that, you know, and this, this is a really, really good topic no matter how long you've been following Jesus. And so today we're gonna look at Jesus' first miracle and it's in John chapter 2. It is the first time that he really came out and, and, and showed the world who he was, but only a few people saw it. And let me just say, I, I've, I've been preaching for about uh, 28 years, a little over 28 years. I think this is the first time that I'm going to preach on this, this passage. So this is a first time for me and maybe a first time for you. You're going to hear a lesson about this miracle that Jesus did. It's not talked about a lot, and there's a reason for it. And we're going to really explore it. So you ready to go in? Let's say a prayer before we begin because the Word of God is powerful, living, and active, and it's going to change our lives if we let it. Father, thank you. Thank you, Father, for preserving your Word in 2016, that we can read the words of Jesus. We can learn and see what Jesus taught and did. And, and Father, I pray that you will help us because a lot of us spend a lot of time, God, we pray that you'll do something for us. 
But the reality is, God, you want to do something in us. I pray that we will allow that to happen. I pray for our guests today that you'll please help them, God. We're so thankful that we can give today. I pray that you'll bless our our missions giving today, that it can be blow away. Father, and I pray that you'll use it to change what's on the inside of so many people's lives. Holy Spirit, we ask you to move here today. Speak to us. Open our eyes and open our hearts. We pray this in the matchless name of Jesus. Amen. All right, so let's jump right into this uh, verse. Jesus' first miracle, and John's the one that records it. Verse 1. On the third day, a wedding took place at Cana in Galilee. Jesus' mother was there, and Jesus and his disciples had also been invited to the wedding. Really good idea to invite Jesus to anything you've got going on, unless you don't want him to know what's going on, but I tell you, he's going to know anyway. But I don't care what you've got going on in your life, it's always good to invite Jesus to the party, invite Jesus to your business, invite Jesus to your family, whatever it is. They did it, made a good decision here. Verse 3, when the wine was gone, I want you to picture this, a wedding banquet And sometimes these banquets would last five days in in Palestine, in this area where it would go on. Imagine five days of a wedding celebration and there's no wine. Big problem, big shortage. So Jesus' mother, somehow she's involved in the planning and the preparation. It might have been a relative of Jesus. Jesus' mother said to him, they have no more wine. So this is kind of weird. Why is Jesus' mother involving Jesus in catering affairs? And before we look at the next verse, how many of you guys are married? Go ahead and raise your hand. If you're married, okay. Uh, Men, men who are married, okay. Men who are married, go ahead and raise your hand. I got some really good advice for you today. Do not say these words to your wife that Jesus is about to roll on us in verse 4. You ready? Do not say these words. Woman, why do you involve me? Jesus replied, my hour has not yet come. Now, just want you to understand, this is a very cryptic message that Jesus is sending to his mom. And it's not disrespect. In fact, when he says woman, we would take it as that's a very disrespectful term. It would be like, ma'am, okay? Uh, señora, okay? Para los que hablan. Why do you involve me in this? I mean, this is a, this is a banquet. I'm, I'm not about, and, and, and I believe Jesus is saying this to make the separation, the distinction between worldly affairs and what he's all about. And he says here, my hour, my hour has not yet come. In other words, it's not time for me to reveal to everyone who I am and what I'm about. And she doesn't even hear him, which moms sometimes do. They don't even hear their children. His mother said to the servants, do whatever he tells you. Nearby stood six stone water jars, the kind used by the Jews for ceremonial washing, each holding from 20 to 30 gallons. What we're talking about is jars the size of this table from the, from the top to the bottom, huge jars. 
And these were used for ceremonial washing by the Jews. In fact, anywhere where Jews were, they would have these washing bins, and they were used for purification. And they would use it to, to wash their hands. It wasn't a physical cleaning. It was a spiritual cleaning. In fact, the Pharisees had a huge problem in that they were obsessive about cleanliness. What does that tell you when somebody has an obsession with cleanliness? They feel dirty on the inside. And they're always trying to clean themselves on the outside, but it's not working. So that's what they were. And this is important that you see that this, this ceremonial cleansing is right there for the world to see we've got a problem. People are trying to cleanse themselves of things they've got going on in the inside with things on the outside. And you know, let me just say this. We, we could end church really fast today if we would just follow Mary's instructions. I mean, we just stop. Let's just go home, okay? We're done. Let's go have the party. We wouldn't have to worry about anything if we would just do what Jesus says, right? It'd be real easy. Okay, you ready to pray? We're done here today. Thanks for coming to church. We're finished. But it's not that easy, is it? Because I know you and I know me. We need a little more help to do what Jesus says. Okay, so we move forward, verse 7 and 8. Jesus said to the servants, fill the jars with water. So they filled them to the brim. Good idea. Go ahead and fill them all the way to the top. Then he told them, now draw some out and take it to the master of the banquet, the MC. Maybe it was the DJ, the guy in charge of the whole party. And it says here, take some to him. They did so, and the master of the banquet tasted the water that had been turned to wine. He did not realize where it came from, though the servants who had drawn the water knew about it. How many people knew about this miracle that Jesus did? Mary knew, the servants knew, and Jesus' disciples knew. That's it. Real small group of people saw what happened here. And real small group of people understood what Jesus did. This is important because I believe on a lot of situations, you and I have things going on right in front of us and we miss it. God's trying to work. He's trying to do something in our favor to help us, to move us in his direction, and we miss it. Even the master of ceremonies, he's supposed to know what everything is going on. He had no idea that this is going on. Look at what he says. And he called the bridegroom aside and said, everyone brings the choice wine first and the cheaper wine after the guests have had too much to drink, but you have saved the best until now. What kind of wine are we talking about right here? The best. He's saying, no, I've never tasted wine like this, and nobody ever has. This wasn't grapes from a vine. These were grapes from heaven. I mean, could you imagine what it must have tasted like? And, and this whole thing, I want you to make sure you understand, this has nothing to do with catering. And if you're ever going to read the Bible, 
Make sure you understand it's not what you think on the outside. There's more to it than that. And look at what Jesus says. He says, or what, the, what John said about what Jesus did. What Jesus did here in Cana of Galilee was the first of the signs through which he revealed his what? Say it with me. His glory. Now, changing water to wine, is that glorious? I think to a degree it is, but when you understand what Jesus was really about doing and showing us through this, oh my goodness, oh my goodness, you have no idea. And it says here that his disciples, they believed in him. Now, what does this mean? It means that they believed he was the Messiah. He was the one to come. And they were blown away. And, and, and this is so important that we get this today is because, you know, I've heard people, it just blows my mind what people do with this passage because they, they say, you know, I think because Jesus did this, he's down with having wine. And, and trust me, I've had many people come to me and say, hey, is it okay to drink wine? Because I, Jesus turned water into wine, so I mean, hey, you have no idea. You're missing the point. That's not why Jesus did this. This has nothing to do with wine. Although it involved wine, it had to do with what Jesus wants to do with all of us. There's something powerful that Jesus, what kind of wine was it? The best, the best. This was his first for a miracle and it revealed his glory. What it, what it was is it was a foreshadowing of what Jesus was about to begin doing with people like you and me. If we will listen and pay attention, not just with our ears and mind, but our hearts. Jesus is going about to do something glorious that's going to show us what he's about with our lives. He says, you know, and, and, and understand this about the wedding banquet. There was a shortage. In fact, they were out. I want you to understand something about life, and I've seen this for many, many, many years. There will always be a shortage in our lives without Jesus. And it's, go ahead, it's important that you go ahead and admit it because some of you are in church today because you realize there's a shortage in your life. And some of you haven't faced that. There's some turmoil going on in your heart, in your life. You're realizing, man, I'm, I'm, I'm running out of energy. I'm running out of heart. I'm running out of desire. I'm feeling a lot of depression. I'm feeling a lot of pain. I'm feeling a lot of, you know, whatever it is. Absence, shortage. There was a shortage of wine in this party. And there's a shortage in our lives if we'll be go ahead and admit it. And who's the answer to this shortage? Jesus. Let's talk about shortage. What is the root of shortage? And I don't, I don't know if you've really sat back and thought about it. You know, we're, we live in a world that there is so much, but there's places in the world where there's so little. Why is that? I've spent some time outside of the United States, and I'm blown away. Why? How is it that people have such a shortage? How is it? Why is it? Even in our country, why is it that people have so little? And they're living in shortage. Let me explain it to you. What is shortage? Shortage is the root 
The root of shortage is sin and self-reliance. Sin and self-reliance. You know why we don't have enough? Because we choose to rely on ourselves instead of ask God. And it's all a consequence. Do you know that greed perpetuates shortage? People don't want to share. People don't want to give. People don't want to change. All the drama that you see on television and in the news and everything else, it all goes right back to here. Sin and self-reliance is what, created, what creates shortage in our lives. And this is even in the church. Let me just go ahead and say, you think just because you're part of the church that you don't have a shortage in your life. No, I know some of you. You're living in shortage. And you're wondering if God exists. Because you're not focused on what's going on on the inside. You just think by participating and being about things, it's going to fix things. No, 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 no. You don't understand. You're not dealing with this. You're still relying on yourself. It's still more about you, yourself centered, self-focused, not focused on what Jesus wants you to focus on. And so there's a powerful meaning behind this, this, this miracle. And, and just so I say it, this miracle that Jesus does does not mean that we should drink wine and get drunk. In fact, drunkenness is talked about clearly throughout Scripture. He's, God is against it. And you and I know this. You don't have to be a theologian. Drunkenness ruins people's lives. So let's not misinterpret the scriptures. And what Jesus is trying to say, he's talking about us. And guess what? You and I are the empty jars. It's what's inside that counts. I'm going to ask uh, Hoel and David to help me out with an illustration. It's what's inside that counts. I want you to understand what Jesus is saying here about our lives. Our lives, basically, each one of us are basically empty jars. That's what we are. That's who we are. And without Jesus, our lives are empty. And what does this tell you about what Jesus wants to do with our lives? If you ever wonder why Jesus came, I'm going to tell you why he came. He came to fill our lives. But see, a lot of times we're trying to fill our lives with so many other things, and we're we're running around chasing after different things. We think that a boyfriend or a girlfriend is going to fill our jar. We think that a career, we think that by, by getting more money, more possessions, more of something, that it's going to fill our jar. So we run around pursuing things over and over again, thinking that that's what it's going to fill our hearts. And you know what? It may fill it to right here, but it's still going to be empty. Jesus' desire for you today, if you want to know what he's all about, he wants to fill your inside. And, and basically, so you know, Jesus, Jesus wants to fill us with the best. See, you and I are empty, 
And he wants to fill us and then change us. He wants to fill us and transform us. And this is, this is what's blow away with, with this, this passage here is, you know, Jesus is trying to illustrate what his ministry is all about. You and I are empty jars, and Jesus wants to fill them. Let me, let me make it really, really clear what Jesus wants to do with your life. If I can get you two guys to do this for me, I want you to take the water, take the water, and pour it into these empty jars that need to be filled. I want you to watch. This is what Jesus did. He took the, the, the water, he took the water, and, 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 the, and the servants poured the water into these jars, and something happened to the water as they poured it into the jars. The water was changed into what? It was changed into something totally different. And what wine meant, so you understand in Scripture what wine's about, wine has to do with bringing joy and meaning and significance into our lives. There's a prophecy that Amos, the prophet Amos, wrote in Amos 9, verse 13 and 14. He said, there's going to come a time when I'm going to bless Israel, and I'm going I'm to bless them with so much that they're going to have sweet wine, and there's going to be so much abundance in their lives. And what the prophet is not talking about is physical. He's talking about spiritual. He's going to take what was, what's inside and fill the empty jar, and then what's ever inside, he's going to change it into something else. You know what Jesus wants to do with you today? He wants to fill you and change you, transform you. And some of you know what I'm talking about because that describes what's happened in your life. What happens is we forget who we were before and we get used to, well, yeah, man, I mean, what's next? And it's not one time, it's ongoing. It keeps happening, it keeps changing. See, th this is something that we gotta understand when it comes to giving. When Jesus changes us, we become givers. We become people who pour ourselves out for others because, see, what wine is for, it's not just to sit and look at, it's to spread, it's to give, it's to share with other people to enjoy. And one of the things about wine in the first century was they couldn't drink water because water was, was heavily contaminated. So they had to drink wine because wine was cleaner and would actually kill infections in our stomach. It was medicinal. And one thing you need to understand, the wine that we drink today is three or four times more potent than the wine that they would drink in the first century. What they do in the first century is they would always cut the wine. So it was way watered down. And so... We got this, this woman, Jesus is sitting watching people like we're going to do today. And the great thing about today is we're going to take up a collection from Mexico and Central America. But I want to talk about this transformation because when we're transformed, something happens to us that we, we begin to give. And Jesus was sat down opposite to the place where the offering was where they were putting and watched the crowd putting their money into the temple treasury. Many rich people 
threw in, say it with me, large amounts. What kind of amounts of money did these rich people put in the coffers of the temple? Large amounts. And the, and the, and the, the disciples were blown away. They're like, wow, that's a lot of money that those people are giving. And Jesus says, and, and goes on and he's watching, and a poor widow came and put two very small copper coins worth only a few cents, pennies. Calling his disciples, he said, this is a teachable moment. I want you guys to understand something. Jesus said, truly I tell you, this poor woman has put more into the treasury than all the others. And they're like, wait a minute, this doesn't make sense. These guys clearly gave more than this woman. She only gave pennies. They gave thousands. And he says, here's the reason. They all gave out of their wealth. But she gave out of her poverty. Put in everything. All she had to live on. Think about this. What was her reliance on God, this widow? 100% reliant on God. By her giving her pennies, all that she had to live on, she's telling God, I need you. Everything, you're everything. I am completely dependent upon you. My next meal is coming from you. And see, this is a reality for all of us. We just don't, don't want to admit it. We think we're self-sufficient. In fact, what, what, what Jesus is teaching right here, it's really, really clear. Jesus is, is teaching us a principle about, about giving. When we give, when we give, it's, it's not about the amount. God measures contribution in the context of capacity. You see, you look at this amount and you say, well, this is just a, this is just a baby amount. But what's the capacity? This, this little baby amount right here is full. That's all that can fit in this. This is a person's ability to give right here. But see, I got this bigger glass, and, and instead of giving, you know, that amount, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put a lot more in here, okay? And that seems like a lot more. That's probably three or four times more than this. But what's the capacity of this vessel to give? Why do you think we as a United States church are giving contributions to Mexico and Central America? And some of you, I know you, you've been getting weary. Yeah, we've been doing this a long time. When are we going to keep this money for ourselves? And I've been giving a long time. Some of you have been in the church for a long time. I've been giving special missions contributions for 30 years. There's no question. There's no bigger investment in my lifetime, not in my retirement account, not in investments, not in real estate. There's no question what I've invested more of my money over a lifetime than, than God and his kingdom. But I also have to understand, what's my capacity? You know, we live in the United States of America. You know, Mexico and Central America, it's a little bit less their capacity. So why do we give? 
Because we have the capacity in the United States of America to, to change people's lives. What we think is a little, what we think is a little is a lot for them. It makes a huge difference. And when you give to capacity, do you know what you do for your heart? You guard your heart against the, one of the most wicked sins, and it's called greed. It's infectious. It ruins families. It ruins marriages. It ruins societies. It ruins the world. So by giving, we protect ourselves. And that's what Jesus is saying. Uh, he's saying here, God measures contribution in the context of capacity. So let me ask you, what can you give? And don't focus on the amount. Because the amount is not, is not what we're looking for. The, the, the amount is, is, you know, she gave everything. Now, am I saying you need to give everything today? That's between you and God, but that's not what I'm saying. What I am saying is some of you are giving so little and your capacity is so great. It's just you haven't been outside of the United States of America to see how other people live. And you don't realize, man, your capacity is gigantic. But because we compare ourselves to rich people, famous people, we think, man, I don't have that much. And I'm just driving a, you know, a small Nissan and it barely works. And you don't realize what your capacity is. Understand this. Something happens when Jesus is on the inside. Something happens when Jesus comes into our lives. Number one, he fills us up. And when he fills us up, he transforms us into something different. What did the uh, master of ceremonies say about the wine that Jesus made? What was it? The best. Say it with me. The best. Do you know what God wants to make you into? Go ahead and say it. It's okay to say it. God wants to turn you into the best. The best you that you can be. But here's the problem. You and I are trying to make ourselves into something we think or something that the world is telling us we need to be. And we need to be that person instead of being who Jesus wants us to be. And I assure you what Jesus will do with us when he comes inside of us and we allow him to be on the inside of us, he will make our lives the best. He will make our relationships the best. He will make our, 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 our whole economy the best that it can be. That's what he's trying to do. And, but it's not like you think. See, because when we think the best, we think, oh, I'll have it all. Now, you don't understand what the best is. See, the best is, is when you have, like Mike talked about last week, a cause. A cause. You have a purpose to live, and you are fulfilled. Your life is full. And you have something that fills you. Let me, let me give you an example of someone that had this happen. And before we go there, I, I got to tell you guys a little bit about my story. Because, you know, 30 years ago, I, I, I was baptized. And I said, Jesus, I need you to come into my life because I don't know how to do this. And so I invited Jesus on the inside. But, but prior to that, I looked at, went to church with my sisters, and I wasn't, Jesus wasn't inside of me. Jesus was on the outside, and I, I, you know, I loved Jesus, believed in Jesus, would pray to Jesus. I had a cross of Jesus in my bedroom right above my bed, and sometimes I would kneel down before that cross, and I would pray to Jesus. 
Let me just be honest with you. There was a cross on my wall, but I had nothing to do with that cross and the way I lived. But I was on the outside. And when I would go to church from the outside, I would look at people on the inside, and guess what I would think about the people on the inside of church? I said, these are strange people. Seriously. Come to a place like this today and see all these people, and I go, man, these people are strange. I mean, there's not enough love in the world like this. This is, this is weird. What's, what are these people on? They're probably drinking some of this. Something's not right. But I was intrigued. I said, man, there's something about them. And so I hung around with them more. But again, I was on the outside. Let me just say this. Things never look the same from the outside. It's only when you're on the inside do you understand what's happening. A couple years later, I decided to have Jesus come on the inside of my life. And I turned myself in and I said, Jesus, I want you to come on the inside. And the very next day after I was baptized into the name of Jesus, yes, I I, I believed in Jesus. I, I decided to make Jesus Lord of my life and I repented of all my sins. And then to, to cap it off, like we're gonna read about it in a second, I did what the Bible tells us to do. I was baptized in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost for the forgiveness of all my sins. Now let me tell you what happened. The very next day, this was not planned. This was not planned at all. I got baptized on a Thursday night. My brother-in-law, after my baptism, I still, got, I still got water dripping from the back of my ears. He goes, hey, there is a missions conference about Mexico and Central America and South America in Miami this weekend. Do you want to go? I said, well... That's pretty crazy. I've never been to a conference. I just got baptized. What's this all about? And so I started thinking, you know, I got this test I got to have next week, and I got to turn this paper. I think I can make this happen. Yeah, let's go. The very next morning, 8 a.m., I'm, I'm in the car, and we're driving to Miami from Tampa, Florida. And I'm talking, you know, I'm so excited. I couldn't stop talking all the ride down there. It's about a five-hour ride. And I'm just talk, 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 talk. And then I get to the conference and I'm quiet. Because I'm hearing things. I'm seeing things. I'm hearing people. I'm seeing people and what they're about and what they're doing with their lives and what their dreams are. And, and, and I'm just, I'm blown away. I'm like, man, this is, this is blow away. And then, 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 there, then there was, uh, I got I to tell you, there, there is a sister in our church. Her name is Lori Campbell. 30 years ago, she sang at that conference, Via Dolorosa. And this was the day after I was baptized. I wept like I hadn't wept since, you know, I was maybe a child. I mean, I was just weeping. And I knew at that moment, Jesus had done something with me from the inside. He had changed me. I never cried about anybody or anything like that. And then later at that night, I go to the hotel and I'm, 
And I'm praying about this experience, and I'm like, God, this is amazing. And, you know, one of the things I highly recommend is that you write yourself a letter after you get baptized. And I wrote myself a letter, and as I'm writing this letter, I wrote down on the letter, and I said, God, I think you want to use my life to do mission work in Mexico and Central America and South America. I really believe that because why else would you have me here? What am I doing here? And, and my parents migrated from, from, from Cuba in 1959, and I'm really, I'm, I'm like a, I'm like, you know, I'm a person outside of my element. I'm trying to be American, but I'm really Latino. And so it was like, God, you want to, and from that moment, I made it my goal. I want to go do mission work for God. I felt, I felt God call me. What happened that weekend? Jesus filled me, and he changed what was on the inside. It took five years to get ready, but then my, my, Laura and I got married, and then we were sent to Brazil to do mission work. I want you to understand something. My life prior to being filled with Jesus had nothing to do with selflessness. It was all selfishness. And if you're going to be a missionary, it is incredibly selfless. No car, suitcases, and public transportation in the third world. You know how you see buses here and they're pretty empty? Not in Sao Paulo, Brazil. You can't even fit in the bus in Sao Paulo, Brazil. You have to squeeze your way in. It's packed with people. And, you know, here in America, we got space. I can see it by some of the way you guys are sitting. You need your little personal space. There's no personal space in Latin America. People are all up on you, in you. They're pressed against you. It's, it's awkward. And people don't use a lot of deodorant and perfumes in this, in this part of the world. It was weird, but I loved it. And, and if you weren't careful when you got on the public transportation, you had to plan for your stop because you had to basically fight your way through the people so you could get to the exit door. And if you took too long to pass your exit and you have to walk back to where you're going, it, it, it was way, way different than what I was living what I want to tell you is this. When Jesus comes in, he fills you and he transforms you into a different person. And I feel like some of you are suffering from your emptiness and your self-reliance and your sin and you're not acknowledging it. Jesus has a solution for you. And, and, and here's a guy that we're going to look at really briefly. His name is the Apostle Paul. And, and what he did is so blow away he basically is trying to kill and arrest Christians. He is completely against. Jesus stops him on the road and says, why are you persecuting me? He blinds him. And he's knocked to the ground. That'll get your attention. And Paul says, Saul at that time says, who are you? He says, I'm Jesus. I'm Jesus who you're fighting against. And so he stops eating, he's blind, and he's told to go to the house of this guy named Ananias. 
And he goes to his house, and look at what Ananias tells him, how to get filled and transformed. Look at what he says here. Acts chapter 22, verse 14 and 15. Then he said, God of our ancestors has chosen you to know his will and to see the righteous one and to hear words from his mouth. You will be a witness, you will be his witness to all people of what you have seen and heard. Basically, Paul, what I'm going to do with you is I'm going to fill you. I'm going to fill you. So how, how, how did this happen? How does this transformation happen? He has to believe. He, he puts Jesus on his Lord, and he decides to make Jesus Lord of his life. He repents of all of his anger and issues. And trust me, he had a lot of issues. And now Ananias tells him, and now what are you waiting for? You want to be full? You want to get filled? Get up. Get up. All right, let, let's do this, okay? Let's go ahead and do it because I feel like I'm losing some of you guys. Let's go ahead and stand up on our feet. Get up. See, that's the problem. You've been sitting around too long. You need to get up. He says, get up and do what? Be baptized. What this meant, this meant in the first century was super clear to them. It meant complete immersion in water. Complete immersion below the water. And he says this, be baptized and do what? Wash your sins away. Calling on his name. Now, is the water going to wash you? No. Water's not going to do it. You know what's going to do it? The cross of Jesus Christ. Go ahead and have a seat. The cross of Jesus Christ is going to be a part of your faith, a part of your repentance, and a part of your declaration that Jesus is now in you, in control of you. And the last step is, it's kind of like when you turn the motor on and that engine starts. And you get your sins forgiven and you receive the gift of the Holy Spirit inside of you. You know who gave me the vision in Miami? You know who made me weep during the song? You know what his name is? Holy Spirit. But what happens to us sometimes is we become self-reliant again. And then comes the shortage. And then come the questions. Why are things not working the way I thought? Even as Christians. It's never too late to turn back to Jesus and say, Jesus, come inside. Come inside. In fact, there's a, there's a verse in Revelation 3 where Jesus is he's, he's knocking, knocking at the door. And it's a letter written to Christians, not to non-Christians. It's a letter written to Christians. And Jesus is knocking at the door. Let me in. What does that tell you about the relationship that the church had with Jesus? Is Jesus on the inside or on the outside? If he's knocking at the door, he's on the outside. If Jesus is knocking on your door and you're a Christian, that means he's on the outside. And you've got to let him in. And you may have been baptized. 
Just because you got baptized does not mean he's on the inside. He is inside, but you've got to let him inside, and you've got to get up each morning and say, Jesus, I need you to come inside. And the way you describe self-reliance is you don't need every day. You don't need Jesus every day, but when you are filled and you want to be filled and you understand it's every morning you wake up, before I get ready, I need Jesus. More than I need coffee. And let me just be honest and open. I need coffee every morning really badly. But I need Jesus more than I need my coffee. I need Jesus' word more than I need a shower. And I know someone you would disagree with that. You know you need a shower. No, I need Jesus more than I need a shower. It needs to be that kind of relationship that you have with Jesus. And if you want to know why there's a shortage in your life, and in your relationships, it's because you're not relying on Jesus. You've ritualized Jesus. And so I want to I encourage you today, you know, when we give our, our special missions contribution, I want to encourage you to make some decisions that you want Jesus to come inside of you and direct your life. Let's look at what Paul says. Well, look at what happens with Paul. God has a plan with Paul. He says, I want you to go out. Listen to what Paul said to the elders. This was his closing statement as he's leaving the elders. He's never going to see them again. He's going to Rome where he would eventually be beheaded for his faith. Look at what he says, his last words to the elders. In everything that I've done, this is the new Paul. This is the new Saul. This is the, the guy with Jesus on the inside, full of, of wine, of sweet wine, full of the Holy Spirit. I showed you. I showed you. Look at everything that I did. I showed you by this kind of what? Let's say it together. Hard work. Now, just because Jesus is in your life does not mean you're not going to have to work hard. No, you, you, you're going to work hard. Mission work, can I just go ahead and tell you, it's hard work. It's, it's heart work. What are we doing with this hard work, Paul? With this hard work, we must help the weak. Remembering the words the Lord Jesus himself said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. What is the characteristic of somebody who is filled with Jesus? They work hard, and they want to give, and they want to give because they understand what Jesus did. What did Jesus do for us? How did we get in this position? How did this happen? Jesus gave his life for us. He gave his body, his blood, his everything for us to fill us up, to transform us. And so what needs to be our response? And, and if you're tired of giving, let me just say, that is a shortage. If you're hedging your giving, that is a shortage. And you know what shortage comes from? It comes from sin and self-reliance. You're holding on to your money and you're communicating something to God. I need my money more than I need you. That's the United States of America. On our money, it says, in God we trust. That's a joke. It's a joke. People need money more than they need God. And you see it everywhere. Brothers and sisters, let's make a church. Friends, I, I hope that you understand, I don't want your money. 
I don't want, I don't want a penny. I've had people come up to me with envelopes and I said, no, I don't take the money. You give it to this person, you give it to them. They take care of it and they pay me. They decide how much. That's how it works. We don't get any more than what has been decided that we're going to be received by people who don't work for the church. And we do that on purpose. We don't want any issue. But God wants to see your heart. See, see, God wants to know what's on the, say it with me, inside. And sometimes when it comes to giving, and boy, I've seen it. I've seen it when people say, you know, they talk about church. When they go to church, you know, all they talk about is money. No, we don't talk about money at church, but today we're going to talk about money. In the last few weeks, we've been talking about money. Because you know why we're talking about money? Because money has a huge effect on what's going on inside of you. And you've got sin and self-reliance if you've got a problem with giving. The transformation that happened with Paul was this. He completely was dedicated to giving to other people, working hard to help people who are hurting. And there are a lot of hurting people out there. And let's, 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 let's be honest about what's going on inside of us. So right now, we're going to give now you say, well, I didn't, I didn't come with anything, okay? I didn't come with anything. I, I, I'm a guest here. I, I want you to take an envelope, okay? I want, you to, I want you to take an envelope and write something down, okay, that you need Jesus to, to take care of in your life, all right? Put a, put a prayer request on the envelope. I, I, and I'll tell you what we're going to do as a church. We'll pray for you. I'll pray for you. I'm going to get those envelopes, and I will pray for you and that need that you have. So when you come here and you bring the envelope, people might think, well, wow, he's giving money. No, you're giving a prayer request, and that's okay. But I want you to come with faith. And the rest of us who are going to give, I want you to evaluate your capacity, okay? Evaluate your capacity, and it's not about money, guys. We want to step, move forward as a church and start giving, giving our hearts, giving our lives, giving our time to a hurting world. All right, so we've got the kids in the back. They're going to go first, children first. So if we could open, Ernie, if you could open the doors and let the children come in. Let me say a prayer as the children come in. If you need an envelope, please raise your hand, uh, and you can write your prayer request on that envelope, we would like for everybody to come forward and put something in the box, whether it's a prayer request or your offering, whatever it is, let's, let's see what God does. Pray with me now for our missions contribution, and we're going to let our children file through. And then they're going to go, the ushers are going to go by aisle by aisle and release you guys to come forward. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for Jesus. Thank you that Jesus came to fill us and to transform us from the inside. I pray, God, that today you will help us to focus more on our inside because you care more about what's going on on our inside than our outside. We pray for Jesus to come in and live with us, eat with us, be with us. God, we pray for this offering that we're going to present for Mexico and Central America and for our student ministry. We pray, God, that you will multiply it and bless us. Blow us away with what you're going to do today. Thank you, God, for the privilege to give. Bless this contribution. 
Bless our brothers and sisters and our sister churches in Mexico and Central America. And bless the food that we're going to have here in a little bit when we celebrate the victory and the great things that you're doing among us. We love you, God. We lift up Jesus. And let's all say it together. In the name of Jesus, we pray this prayer. Amen.